Hello and welcome to Soul Self, where we talk all things energy, consciousness, trauma healing, mindset manifesting, and more. Prepare to turn your pain into medicine and inspiration so you can be in alignment, living your purpose, having juicy relationships, and lush abundance. To stay up to date, join my newsletter at bloomshakti.com and make sure to browse some of my other offerings. So there's four basic moon phases and yes, you can, there's more pieces, but honestly it comes down to the main basic four. So the same way that there's four seasons, there four, there's four moon phases. So new moon is when the moon is completely dark in the sky. And then the waxing moon is when the moon appears to get bigger and bigger. Then we have the full moon, when the moon is completely illuminated. And then we have the waning moon. So when the moon appears to get smaller and smaller. And the power of the full moon and new moon lasts three days before and three days after. The waxing and waning moon are usually two weeks. And generally speaking, the new moon is the time that you set intention, but it's also during the waxing moon. So when things are growing bigger, right? It's things are growing. You're planting that seed on the new moon. During the waxing moon, it's growing. And then the full moon, you're letting go, you're releasing. And then this continues for two weeks during the waning moon, like letting go of expectations, taking the pressure off for more rest, more self-care. We're just releasing, banishing the things that don't serve us. And we've got two full weeks for that. And I think what gets overlooked with the full moon phase is it's about amplifying. It's about celebrating and having gratitude for everything that we do have, right? Like we spend a lot of time setting intentions, calling things in, releasing what doesn't serve us. But the full moon represents a very essential step in the middle of celebrating gratitude, leaning into our desires, So the full moon is completely when it's illuminated. And as I said, waning is when it's getting smaller and smaller. And then gibbous and quarter and crescent of the dark moon, all that stuff um, happens before we get to the new moon again. And then there's astrology, which breaks down into two essential aspects. There's birth charts and planetary transits. So your birth chart is your birth chart is a snapshot or a map of the planets the moment you were born so all the planets are constantly in motion and the sun and the moon are constantly in motion through the 12 signs of the zodiac and your specific chart of where they were when you were born is what's important for your life so in your chart you have all the planets you have the sun you have the moon you have you know, the Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Like, we'll talk about the houses in a little bit, but I want to talk about the planets. So each planet in your chart represents, in your chart represents an aspect of your life and personality. And it may or may not resonate with you strongly. Um, So for example, sun is all about what is your joy, your creativity, right? And then the moon is your intuition and emotions. Mercury is communication. Venus is love and desires. Mars is your action and passion. Jupiter is your expansion, spirituality. Saturn is responsibility, 
Uranus is revolution, Neptune is intuition and confusion, and then Pluto is your transformation. Now remember, you have all 12 in your chart, even if it's empty, it's actually representing an aspect of who you are. We wouldn't be a whole person without all 12 signs, okay? So each of the planets and the sun and moon represent a particular aspect of who you are, which I just shared with you, okay? The sun, usually people know, right? It's kind of like the the month you were born and stuff, right? Um, so for example, I'm an Aries sun, Sag, moon, Gemini, rising. Rising isn't a, um, your ascendant isn't a planet. So it's like an outer layer of your personality. So the sun, moon, and rising are your big three in astrology. And just those three can actually round out your expression of who you are. But you also have all the planets. So if you know your big three, that's great. It's really great to know those three. So you have 12 signs, each of which naturally rules a particular house in your chart, even if you don't have planets in all of them. And if you have an Aries rising, then naturally all your other houses will fall into those specific um, planets. But how do I want to do this? I like to work with archetypes. So if Aries is your first house, that's like the warrior archetype. Taurus, second house, goddess archetype. Gemini, third house, magician. Cancer, fourth house, the mother. Leo, fifth house, sovereign. Virgo, sixth house, priestess. Oh, shit, what is it? Libra is a Libra. Yeah, Libra, seventh house is the lover. Scorpio, eighth house is the witch. Sagittarius, ninth house is the healer. Capricorn, tenth house is the crone. Aquarius, eleventh house is the rebel. Pisces, twelfth house is the oracle. Okay. So I shared with you the planet, the house, and the archetype. So I know that it's a little hard to understand this because you're not seeing it, but for example, my second house is, okay, let's give an example. If my second house is Libra, right? My second house is Libra, then my, my second house is Libra would have the archetype of the goddess, right? So anything that appears in my second house has the energy of both okay and something important to remember here is the house the first house is always going to be your rising sign okay and then if you don't know your time of birth you're not going to be able to figure out your houses so the rising sign changes signs very quickly and I think it's like once every couple hours so basically what I'm trying to say is if you don't know your time of birth you're not going to know your rising sign and the fact that this changes so quickly um, it changes like once every couple hours 
depending on when you were born, like during the day, you could have vastly different rising signs if you were born in the morning versus at night. And that makes it your house is different as well. So if you don't know your rising sign, you can put 12 p.m. and then ignore the ascendant and the houses and just look at the planets in their houses. Like that right there will give you enough information, but you can try to narrow it down. And if you don't know your time of birth, then you can, I think it's like, oh God, it was 55 when I paid for it like 10 years ago. Or I know, try 65, 75. Um, you go to your county and then they'll give you a copy of your birth certificate that has the time. Um, if you were born in the morning, like 8, 9, 10, then you'll be like, okay, yeah, that's, you know, my rising sign, right? So you could like play with those times um, and play with your intuition of like which time feels right and talk to your mama, you know, talk to your dad, see if they know like roughly what time it was. So there's another layer to astrology and this is where we're going to start to connect all the dots. So in addition to your birth chart, there's planetary transits, which is a fancy term that just means like all the planets are constantly transiting, moving in motion through the 12 signs of the zodiac sign, zodiacs. So when you hear like Venus is in Scorpio or Mercury is in retrograde, these are transits, okay? The planets in your chart always stay the same, but the planets in the sky they continually move forward and affect our collective moods and area of focus. That was a mouthful. So, so I hope that made sense. So for example, when Mercury is retrograde, things tend to break down. We have miscommunication, tech difficulties, travel delays. When Mercury is retrograde in Libra, as it is right now, it tends to affect our relationships. And you can also bring this layer even closer and see where it shows up in your chart. So for example, I have, if I have Libra, Libra in, second uh, second, in my second house, right? So that means that it's going to be affecting that. Now here's a big question, okay? Here's a big question. What the fuck do any of these things that I'm talking about have to do with one another, right? So... It seems when you look at it like this, very separate, very disparate, very different things, right? But there's a missing piece of information. Astrology is the connecting thread. So each of the pagan sabbats, uh, the festivals in the wheel of the year, occur when the sun's in a like, particular sign, not just in a particular month but in a particular sign. And the new and full moon occur in particular signs every single month. Okay? So, when we look at the wheel of the year from an astrological perspective, it gets a little more clear. So, we have the equinox and solstices occur when the sun moves into a particular sign. You can't separate the two. When the sun enters Aries, that is the spring equinox in the northern hemisphere. When the sun enters Libra, Aries and Libra are opposites. That is the autumn equinox. So these are reversed 
So this is the southern hemisphere. Same signs, same information. It's just swapped. So the solstices are Cancer in Capricorn season, also opposites. So the summer solstice occurs when the sun enters Cancer, and the winter solstice happens when the sun enters Capricorn. Same with the fire festivals, okay? So Beltane, Taurus season. Samhain, Scorpio season. Lamas, Leo season. Imbolc, Aquarius season. Okay, so there's three modalities in astrology. The cardinal sign, so Aries, Cancer, Capricorn, and Libra. And then the cardinal signs are the initiators. They start things, like the beginning of a new season, for example. Then the second set of modalities are the fixed signs. So Beltane in May and Samhain in October happen respectively in Taurus and Scorpio. Again, opposite signs. Lamas in August and in bulk in February are in Leo and Aquarius. Again, opposites. Now, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius are all fixed signs. Okay, the fixed signs are the sustainers. They carry us through the peak of each of the four seasons. Now, of course, there are eight festivals and 12 signs. So what about the four signs, right? The other four signs, which are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces, are the mutable signs of the zodiac. So the mutable signs lead us through the transition from one season to the next. So for example, Pisces is technically winter, right? Early February or late February, early March. It leads us right up to the moment of the spring equinox when the sun moves from 29 degrees in Pisces to zero degrees of Aries, Aries, right? That's the spring equinox. So mutable signs are the transitions. And then we have the moon phases, and this is all very connected as well. The new moon always occurs in the same sign as the sun. Literally, the only reason, the only way that we can have a new moon where we don't see the moon at all in the sky is if in the sun and moon are exactly lined up, which means they're exactly lined up in the zodiac as well. So... During Libra season, when the sun's in Libra, right, it's always going to be in the month following the autumn equinox. We always, sometimes in that four weeks, have the new moon in Libra, right, which the sun enters Libra, and then we have the autumn equinox, and then we have the new moon in Libra, like by Sunday or Monday. Actually, Sunday. Saturday or Sunday? Saturday Sunday. Now, the full moon always happens in the opposite sign of the sun all the signs have a natural opposite okay so um aries and opposite or aries and um aries and libra are opposites taurus and scorpio are opposites gemini and sag are opposites cancer and uh what's other c capricorn are opposites um, Leo and Aquarius are opposites, and then Virgo and Pisces are opposites. So opposite energies are really important because it balances each other, okay? The full moon is the same way as well. So the full moon is this dose of the opposite energy, the balance and perspective every single month. So right now, during Libra season, 
you know, always in the month following the autumn equinox, right? Sometimes in those four weeks, we're always going to have the full moon in Aries, which is the sign that's opposite the zodiac in, from Libra, right? So you can see how when we bring astrology as the connecting thread, um, the sign that the sun is in, the sign that the moon is in, and the season that we're in are all inextricably actually the same thing, right? And Raj, what are you doing? No, get down, get down. And you're just being bad. So the question is, how can we use this, right? And this is like super dope information. So I'll share with you like how you can use this, but oh, I lost my chain of thought. I was putting him down and I totally lost my chain of thought. Um, I like to make things super accessible, but also practical, right? Like how can you actually utilize this information in your real spiritual self-care practices, right? That's the most fucking important question. So the first thing that you can use this for is energy management. So tracking the movement of the sun throughout the year and the moon throughout the month around your birth chart is probably one of the single most powerful things that you can do and practice in your life um, to make a difference, you know, to make a change. And um, so when the sun is in... How do I want to say this? Um, when the sun is in your rising sign, which it is once a year for one month, the sun is activating your first house. Same thing with your moon. When the moon is in your rising sign, it's activating your first house. Doesn't mean that your moon is in your first house. There's a difference between your birth chart, which is static and stays the same, and the transiting planets, which are constantly moving around it. So when the sun and the moon are in your rising sign, you're likely to feel more energized. Like that's you, that's your vibe, that's a fresh start, a new beginning for you. And as the sun and the moon, the sun throughout the year and the moon throughout the month, move through the 12 signs of the zodiac, it activates each part of your chart. So for example, when the moon is in the signs that you have in your 4th, 8th, and 12th house, right? The elements are really helpful here. So the 4th, 8th, and 12th houses are the water houses. Water is the element of emotion, intuition, um, rest, nourishment. So when the moon is in those three signs, you're likely to feel more emotional. You might feel more sensitive, more intuitive versus when the moon is in your first house and you're feeling super energized and productive. Just an example, okay? And this isn't universal, which is why it's really important to track it for yourself of like, okay, how do I feel when the moon is in my water house each month or when the sun is in my firehouse each year, right? Like those three months, how do I feel? So tracking that for yourself and being able to plan ahead for it is so fucking powerful, so powerful. And the way that I first, you know, started doing this and discovered this is, you know, Aries, I'm an Aries rising. And then what I came to, oh, I'm not going to go into that, but I, I basically shared the information for you. Like when I would feel energized, I would compare my charts 
and I'd be like super irritated or irritable during certain times. And this was a huge piece for me in my own personal energy management. And I really encourage you to do this. Like, and another thing is each season affects all of us so differently. Like, you're not going to feel certain ways all the time. Like, for example, um, I used to despise summer, and then, you know, I kind of learned about all this stuff, and then I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to choose to rest. I'm going to nourish myself, or, you know, whatever it is, and or even acknowledging, like, okay, I feel like this right now, and I get to move through it, right? So energy management is a really powerful way to use this information, and you can also harness the power of um, a certain house. So if a particular zodiac sign seems to like fire you up and energize you, then you can harness that power for your magic or inspiration in other areas of your life. So for example, um, my moon is in Sagittarius. So Sagittarius is I just fucking love the energy of Sagittarius. It's very fiery, very forward, kind of like Aries, but it's like in a mature way. Um, so I take advantage of those times, right? When the transits are there. But you basically, you can do practice remediation too, which is like taking the opposite energy and it's like, okay, I feel burnt out right now. So what am I going to give myself? How am I going to rest? And then you use practice remediation. So um, let's say water makes you feel drained and burnt out, right? Then you use the opposite science energy to kind of balance everything out. And then also, like, plants and crystals are amazing allies that can actually help you harness um, and do practice remediation too. So I'm going to actually share some plant crystal allies and activities for each sign, okay? So for Aries, chili pepper, citrine movement, opposite of Aries is Libra. So elder, rose quartz, self-love. Then we got Taurus, which is all for rose, jade, massages, opposite of Taurus is Scorpio. So Damiana herb, smoky quartz, doing some spell work. Then we got Gemini great, you know, uh, plant ally is mint, the crystal Chrysella, um, it's C-H-R-Y-S-O-C-O-L-L-A, um, great activity is to meditate, opposite Gemini, Sag, dandelion, pyrite, hike, then we got cancer, jasmine, moonstone, rest, opposite cancer is Capricorn, so cedar, aragonite, grounding, then we got Leo, Sunflower, Carnelian, Dance, opposite Leo's Aquarius, Witch Hazel, Aura Quartz, Visualization. And then lastly, we have Virgo. So Time, Moss, um, what is it called? Moss Agate um, or Journaling are helpful. And the opposite to Virgo is Pisces. So Mugwort, Fluorite, Divination. So basically... If you're feeling super great right now during Virgo season and you're like, I want to keep this going, right? Go for the Virgo allies, which are time, moss agate, and journaling. Um, like the plants to work with, the crystals to work with, the activities to do. And 
to remediate or balance the energy, you would use the opposite signs. So opposite Virgo is Pisces, right? So the mugwort, fluoride, and divination would be um, helpful. So I know this was a loaded uh, episode, but um, basically I talked about how, you know, three main things, the seasons, moon, astrology, all intertwine. But I hope this is helpful. Take it out, carry it with you, and I will talk to you all next week. Hope this was insightful and you're feeling empowered. I would appreciate if you could do an Apple podcast review. It takes less than 15 seconds. Forward and share this with anyone you feel would benefit. Tag me on Instagram and I will talk to you soon.